Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of 747 Conversations. It's your host, Chris Shembra, and today is special for a few reasons, so I'm glad you're here with us. Now, at the time of this recording, not only is today the first episode I'm recording in our new home in Brooklyn that we just moved into a couple days ago, my new office looking out at the wonderful setting sun here on the East Coast. Today has been a pretty good day across the world. It's International Women's Day. And today we've got a special episode for you. We got one of the best and the brightest women to ever do her craft. We're going to share her story with you today. Now, if you're new to the podcast, I want to welcome you. You've stumbled upon a series of episodes that are just about good people coming on and sharing some pretty meaningful stories. If you haven't clicked that subscribe button, we invite you to do so right now. Check out the podcast archives. You'll see some pretty neat people ranging from Olympians, Academy Award winners, Fortune 50 CEOs, Hall of Fame athletes, number one recording artists, and more. We're glad to have you along for the ride. For you returning listeners, welcome back. Some of my favorite moments during the week is when you write in these wonderful notes, the things you've taken away from these episodes. I think you're going to get a lot of value today. So welcome back. Today, for an International Women's Day, we have none other than Shannon Yusey. Shannon is the co-founder and CEO of Beacon Point Advisors, which is the largest female-owned and led registered independent advisory firms in the country. $26 billion under assets, 50% female representation in leadership, headquartered in Newport Beach, California, 33 offices across the country, founded in 2002 with her father, thought of the idea in college with a business plan for her senior thesis, which she got a B on the paper. And she's the coach. Well, now the kids have grown up. She was the coach of all four of her kids' soccer teams. This is a person who gives back, works hard, is entrepreneurial-minded, and kind of just does life with full integrity. So we're going to have a pretty good chat. Shannon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Chris. It's an honor to be here. Now, uh, you know, a, a lot of the conversations that you must have on a daily basis are answering the questions about how did you grow so fast? How did you acquire 14 different companies in a global pandemic? How did you go to 26 billion assets under management? What's it like co-founding a company with your father? But we're not going to talk about those go-to-market strategies today. No, we're, we're going to talk about Shannon, the person. Um, Shannon, the, the mother the coach, uh, the face of this of this business and family. Um, Shannon, f- for six years, 
my entire life has been revolved around a very specific topic, which you and I talked about on the call, which is one of the reasons you said yes to coming on this podcast. It's, it's the topic of gratitude. And my beginnings in the topic of gratitude started around the dinner table six years ago with a specific question. We were 16 people. We were a bowl of pasta sauce. It was July of 2015. And we've used this question to spark over 500,000 relationships around our dinner table ever since. Asking this question to anybody we can get our hands on. So, to start the, the podcast, I must ask you our signature gratitude question. Shannon, I know you're a grateful person, but I want you to do some digging here today. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, or that you've never thought to thank, whether that person helped you or hurt you, who would that be? So Chris, I love this question. Um, and one that like really, really had me thinking, you know, thinking about who's left an indelible mark on me. And you're going to probably get mad at me, but I, I have to give you two people. Um, but I think you'll, you'll give me, you'll give me some grace here because <laughs> one, one is no longer with us and one is still among the living. Um, so I think, I think it's fair. Um, mm -hmm. the, the first person that, you know, and I, I really, I really dug and thought about this because, you know, as you, if you live your life, there's a lot of great people that you come across and I have a lot of gratitude for, you know, the path that I've taken and the, the people that have been involved in that, you know, from coaches to, to professors to professors even giving me a B. Um, it's been <laughs> it's been incredible and I'm truly grateful for that. Um, but the person that you know came to mind after really giving it some thought um, was a neighbor growing up. Hmm. Um, her name was Mrs. Jones. She lived two doors down from my parents and I would come home from swim team practice soaking wet, come into her house and listen and tell her about my life, tell her stories. Um, she was a widow at the time. Um, she wasn't able to have children of her own, but seemed to adopt me gladly. And as I grew older, you know, getting into business and getting into work, um, I went down and shared stories about my my career and my life and learning from her. She was, you know, she grew up, you know, coming out of the depression. She was one of the first female, I think she was actually the first female vice president of a bank. Hmm. <laughs> And the neat thing for me, what I didn't realize at the time, but now looking back on my life, is she gave me the gumption <laughs> to believe that there was really no limit in what I could do. And it, it didn't matter what career path I took, what I wanted to be when I grew up. She she was a, just a phenomenal example. Um, she was just she was a good human with really high integrity. You know, she read the Wall Street Journal until she passed it at the age ninety seven. So I, I was fortunate at her funeral, and this was many, many years ago. I think I was, you know, I was in my early 20s when she passed away. And I likened her to, I don't know if you've ever read um, the poem by Shel Sil Silverstein or the book by Shel Silverstein, which about the giving tree. A long it, it, time ago, but tell yeah, our listeners about it. Yeah, it, it's, it really is about a little boy who, you know, grows up to be a man and, you know, befriends this, you know, so-called or proverbial tree, which, you know, and the tree just gives to this boy everything that the tree has. I mean, from its leaves to its trunk to sail away, 
just every to apples to eat, just gave every piece of itself to another human. And I think, you know, that's what, that's what Mrs. Jones reminds me of is, you know, being able to give. And not only did she, you know, teach me that I could do anything I wanted to do, but she also taught me the art of giving. And I Mm. think giving is um, incredibly important um, in, in absolutely everything we do in life, you know, whether it's business or raising a family or doing volunteer work. I think that's, you know, it's been a foundation of mine. And I think it's, it's really come from, you know, that experience early on, um, getting to know Mrs. Jones really well. Mm. And then, then the other person I would say, um, who was just my rock today and, um, keeps me grounded and sane and, you know, keeps our life, uh, you know, you know, somewhat normal with four kids and, you know, I've got 400 employees now. So he, he's, he's just my rock. It's my husband. And I, I, I don't tell him enough, but he's, he's truly amazing. Um, He's incredibly patient. He's very funny. Um, Although my kids (laughs) sort of make fun of him for being funny. They call it a little bit of dad humor, but he's very funny and he's always positive. And I, I was fortunate enough to meet him when I was 18. Um, And we've been together for, I'm going to date myself real quick, but we've been together for over 30 years. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's interesting, you know, and it's, I think it's a, a really good, life lesson is a life lesson for me. And, you know, anybody that comes across his path, also a life lesson. He didn't have the, the most incredible childhood. I mean, he's got an incredible mom, um, but his dad left when he was, you know, very young and really never to be seen again. And from that, he's, he's become this remarkable dad and he didn't have a role model, but he knew, he knew the importance of giving that to our kids. And so when, you know, when, we were young and I was pregnant and I was working and he was working. We decided that one of us was going to stay home. And he, he took that role of being the stay at home parent. He's been home for 22 years and he just doesn't miss a beat. You know, he's, he coaches the kids. He's there when we need him. He, you know, he used to, when the kids were little and I'd be like, Oh, I want to see my kids. He'd bring the kids by the office. And, you know, he just always made it, made it important that I was, equally as involved in the, in raising our family, but also equally present. And I think that's a hard role and he never had any ego in it and is a guy's guy and just, just really a tremendous human being. Rick is his name. Rick is his name. Hell of a guy. And, and I don't know either of you, but I remember when I was doing my research and going to your Instagram and seeing that uh, the amount of smiles, uh, the amount of moments between you and Rick and the kids, um, it's a family. And, and albeit it's a, you know, a professional female-led family, but it works. And it's so beautiful from an outside perspective. Well, and Chris, it's so interesting, too, you know, when, when we made that decision— and I never thought, I mean, I, I didn't grow up thinking I was going to be the breadwinner of the family or be the, the, be the financial provider. I always thought I would do what my mom did, you know, stay home with, there were six of us growing up, thought I would do the same thing. And it just, it, it was, it was the right decision for us at the, at the time. And it was uncommon, you know, people, hmm. I mean, people looked at us like, what he's staying <laughs> home and you're, I mean, now it's, it's certainly, it you know, 20 plus years later, it's certainly different. And I'm, especially on International Women's Day, I'm incredibly grateful for that too, that that times have changed and it's more common and it just doesn't matter. 
Um, but it was hard at the, you know, when we made that decision, it was great for us, but you know, folks looking in, we're like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> but mm. but it's, so far it's, it's so far so good. You were one of six. Um, how many, how many of your siblings went to Mrs. Jones's house almost every day to find their gumption? You know what? It was only me. Tell me about that. Um, I, you know, I, I think I just, I gravitated to somebody who was a little bit unique. I mean, they're obviously with six kids in the house. My parents had four of us <laughs> first, and then I was actually a junior in high school. Oh, and wow. my mom got pregnant. Oh my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> we all went, we all said, what? <laughs> um, so number, number five was born when I was a junior in high school. Um, so there, there's a big age gap between me and my younger sisters. And then at the time they decided to adopt um, my other sister, which is awesome. And she's fantastic. And, um, but there was always a lot going on in our, in our home. Um, so maybe it was a bit of a reprieve for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I think I, I recognized what an incredible woman she was. And I recognized I could learn quite a bit from her and she was willing to give that and had that time and energy and wanted to, I think, I think she wanted to mold me a little bit and wanted to share with me that, you know, her experiences in life. And like I said, she couldn't have kids. So maybe an opportunity for her as well. Hmm. You know, it's, it's amazing that you allowed yourself to receive that education from Mrs. Jones in the year 63 AD, a man by the name of Lucius Annius Seneca. Some people called him Seneca, the elder in ancient Rome once wrote that the greatest plague to Roman society is that we neither know how to give nor receive a benefit. Now, Mrs. Jones taught you giving and gave you your gumption, but you had to also be good at receiving it, receiving the love, receiving the knowledge, receiving the education. What separates a person from having the ability to receive an intimate educational offering and dedication from others? And being closed off from it, or, you know, the alternative is being closed off from it. And how important is it for women of this world to understand that it's all right to receive help from others, to constantly be learning, constantly seeking value and education, to get ahead like you did? Yeah, that's a... That's a- incredibly powerful question. Um, Look, I don't know if I was born with the ability to take that or if it was something I learned from my parents. Um, My parents were always incredibly gracious with their time and incredibly gracious, you know, teaching others. Um, And I I will say my mom, uh, just an amazing woman. Um, She's, you know, one of five kids. She never this isn't the answer to your question, but I'm going to divert a little bit here, but she never, um, she never said we couldn't do anything as women in the family. So there were four girls and two boys. Um, I can, I can distinctly remember, um, just a very, you know, funny situation. I I was probably six years old 
and she put me on an all boys soccer team. <laughs> and I, I, I don't, I, she didn't put me on an all boys soccer team. I mean, there was no girls teams. So she's like, you, yeah, you want to play soccer? You're, it's going to be all boys and you should, you should play. And I remember, you know, a man telling my parents during the game, my parents told me this after the game, like, I can't believe that there's a woman on the team or a little girl on the team. And my parents didn't say anything. And, you know, two minutes later, I scored the winning goal. And he came back and was like, you know, I'm just a male chauvinist. And, you know, I, you know, but, it, but I think, I think that just taught me that it didn't, as a, as a woman, it didn't matter. Or as a young girl, it didn't matter what I, what I wanted to do or where I wanted to be. I could, I could do anything or be anything I wanted. I don't think every young girl has that same opportunity or, you know, put in the same situation. So I think maybe that changes one's ability to be open to new, new ideas or, open to listening to suggestions for, you know, growth within their life. I will, I will tell you that what I always try to impart on folks that I mentor or young women in our office and even young men is, you know, learn absolutely everything you can learn. You know, we're always learning. I mean, I, I'm always reading something. I'm always reading a new book or always trying to learn something new or even reread a book. Right. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. so oftentimes when I reread a book, I'm like, Oh gosh, I missed that the first time around. So, you know, really encouraging people to, you know, pursue, you know, lifelong learning, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like to them and be open, you know, to pivoting and changing and, you know, be also being open to folks telling, you no. you know, when we're told no, or when we're, we're giving a B in grad school, by the way, I teach, <laughs> I teach in grad school. <laughs> so what I do know about giving a B is those that get a B didn't really do a whole lot in the class. I will tell you, I worked really hard on my business plan, <laughs> but I got to be. Um, I've yet to go back to the professor, and that was in, that was in grad school in my entrepreneurship class. I have not gone back to the professor and shared with him uh, how we've grown grown the company. But I think <laughs> I, I, I do think him telling me that I wasn't going to do well sort of gave me the grit to, <laughs> to just, do just well. for just for an aside, just for a, a quick minute explanation. Um, Tell our listener, because by the way, um, you that are listening, I know your stories, your grades weren't too dissimilar to what Shannon's talking. I know you, some of you have reached out saying you were, you were C plus students. Um, you know, I, I, I understand that, that, um, you relate to getting a B or a C in something, but, uh, Shannon, Tell me about, um, tell me just for a sec about, you know, the NUCO, um, you know, the, uh, the bright idea you had, uh, for a wealth management company with an then unusual focus. Um, tell me, tell me just for a sec about that and maybe, you know, what you, what you then felt getting a B in it. Well, Chris, so to be totally honest and candid, since we're having a, very open conversation here amongst all your friends. Yes. <laughs> this could be dangerous. Um, look, I was not a good student. That's good. I was actually a terrible student in high school. Good. Right. And I, and I do share that story with people and my kids know too. And I, I, I think it's important for people to know that, you know, at we all mature at different times, yeah. paces, and we all learn at different times and paces. I was absolutely a C student in high school. Now, I recognized the importance of education when I got to college, 
I was on the dean's list in college. And then I only applied to one graduate school, which was UCLA. And I was accepted. So I, I do think we, we, we mature at different times. And, you know, grades are, are certainly important to students, but they're not the end all be all. And, you know, we can do what we, we put our minds to doing with a lot of grit and outworking the competition or outworking, mm-hmm. you know, the person in the office next door to you. Um, so so my, my, my business plan was, was really simple. Um, it just hadn't been done at the time. It, you know, I, I felt that we could offer clients a holistic approach to looking at their total wealth and have no perceived or real conflicts of interest. And at the time, you know, many of the competitors that were in the space and, and the, the industry was relatively new. I mean, the industry is a, a pretty young industry. Uh, you know, our, our birthdays next week, we will be 20 years old. Um, and we were, you know, one of the first, you know, few larger um, registered investment advisory firms out there um, during the time. But but we, we really felt like, can we give clients a, a total view of their their all of their wealth? And by wealth, we certainly mean your assets and your investments, but also, you know, your time and what's important to you and your family. And can we do that in a, you know, unbiased, uncompromised, you know, position and and really give them true advice um, that they need for, for their life goals? Because everybody's life goals are different, but we just didn't want to be get, coming to somebody with a investment product or anything that would maybe, you know, make make what we're our what make what we were recommending not pure mm-hmm. and in layman's terms for some of our listeners that means while the industry was making money taking commissions on trades you were charging fees regardless of what uh you know what what you were recommend you could recommend it regardless of the fact that you know you could recommend it because you weren't doing it for the commission that's correct. It didn't matter what went into a client's portfolio. And that's, I mean, yeah. Look, the numbers speak for themselves. Twenty-six billion assets under management. Ten thousand clients. Thirty-three offices. Fifty percent female leadership. This works. This works. So, anyways, it was cool to hear that someone early on said, "No, nah, this isn't going to work. Uh, I'm giving you a B." <laughs> um, that's pretty neat. Now, you know, it's interesting because uh, oh, I don't want to go down the investment rabbit hole and talk about sustainable ESGs and impact. That's that's the stuff you can read on the internet. So if you want to know, uh, as a quick aside, just so we can get back on the emotional track, if you want to know, uh, go to their website. They've set up, you know, they only invest in impact, sustainable ESGs, social responsibility, investing, SRI. It's just they do the good stuff. They avoid oil. They avoid tobacco, all that kind of stuff. Um, So we we do what the clients want, right? So if their long-term goals are, you know, ESG investing, then that's what we do for the clients. Some clients, that's not their long-term goal. So that's not what we do. So it really is client-dependent. Mm-hmm. on how we put their portfolio together. But we do. I mean, we, we work through this, what we've coined our all wealth approach. And, and it really goes through a client's total wealth. And then if they have any you know long-term life and legacy goals, or they have any impact initiatives that they want to pursue with their investments. So it's not, it's not that we are just an, you know, 
environmental or socially responsible firm, we, we do, you know, what's in the best interest ultimately of the client, depending upon what that client's looking for. It's um, this client centric approach is what helped you all raise a massive investment from a New York City based KKR investment firm, private equity firm. Your client centric approach is what really attracted them. But you know what I call that from the outside, just a dude sitting in his home in <laughs> Brooklyn. Shannon, I call that empathy. That's it. You're a good listener. You feel the needs of the client. You open up your heart, you connect with them, and you make sure that it's a win-win situation. You're not in it to screw other people. That's it. And that's pretty neat. That's pretty uh, I, neat. I, I, I love how you condense that, but I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> now, you know, it's it's a cool – I, I want to tell a cool story from my life so that I can hear uh, what was really neat that stuck out to me about your life. You know, I've got a dear friend of mine. Um, we first met around the dinner table, uh, I believe on Monday, April 4th, 3rd uh, or 4th of 2016 in Santa Barbara. Her name is Sylvia Acevedo. And Sylvia was a young girl growing up in New Mexico. And there was a local Girl Scout troop. And Sylvia went up to her Girl Scout troop and, you know, the leader said, you got to sell some cookies so you can get a badge so you can grow in the program. They said, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? She said, I want to be a rocket scientist. She said, oh, they said, well, there's no real science badge. Um, maybe you could try to be a baker or a cook or, a, you know, a housewife when you grow up. You can get a baking badge. She said, no, I, I want to be a scientist. Anyway, she sold those cookies. She grew in the Girl Scout program. And eventually, after a long career in tech, she ended up becoming the global CEO of the Girl Scouts. And when she did that, she implemented something that Girl Scouts couldn't strive for in their entire history. She invented a science badge. And so now, it's actually hanging here in my office. If, if, you, if you, you can go get a science badge and it's got some moons and some rockets. She led the Voyager mission to Jupiter's moon. So she was a rocket scientist. She actually grew up and did what she wanted to do. Right now you've got a pretty similar connection to the girl scouts. You did a pretty neat thing, helping create a financial badge. Tell me about what that means as a mother, as a coach, as the leader of uh, mother daughter book clubs and mother son event clubs and, what does that mean to you? So uh, it's your story. I'm like, he knows my story. How does he know my story? <laughs> um, so part of my story. Um, so I actually sold Girl Scout cookies too. Um, I was the <laughs> the number one Girl Scout cookie salesperson in our troop, yes. um, which was you know Makes, back in the day. No, and, yes, um, <laughs> lo lo loved my time in the Girl Scouts, and you know, to take it full circle, we actually helped some of the Girl Scouts uh, manage their money now, which is um, really kind of a fun place to be, but. You know, in, in 2011, um, roughly, um, we we recognized um, that there was a there was a gap in the in the industry. There was a gap in knowledge, um, really geared toward women. Um, so, a, a partner of mine 
and I, um, you know, we were just talking about like, how are, how are women getting investment advice? How are, you know, what we're, what we're seeing is that many women aren't coming to the proverbial investment table. So we just, we just said, gosh, we, we've got to do something about that. So we started off with a blog and a number of women in my office, you know, were contributing to this blog and we were, you know, sending out, you know, weekly material um, just on educating women on some of the, the, the great topics around, you know, their wealth. And it wasn't that women didn't want to know that information. They just weren't, nothing was taught in, in high school or even college. And then there, you know, oftentimes there's a division of duties in the household. And so they just weren't getting the same type of information um, oftentimes as their counterparts. So we just thought, you know, we're going to, we're going to do something to educate. So then we, we, we ended up, you know, forming this Women's Advisory Institute, um, which has grown tremendously um, through the years. We've got, I don't know, probably 40 women in our office that, that participate in terms of helping educate um, others out there in the industry. Out of that came a book. Mm -hmm. So we wrote a book, um, you know, Your Dollars, Our Cents, um, really, which is a, basically kind of a girlfriend's guide to finance. It's not, you know, it's it's really teaching, you know, other women, our, our mothers, daughters, you know, friends about, you know, general finance terms that are really important. Um, and then we were asked um, if I would host a Girl Scout troop in here and we, we've done it a number of times and we, we created our own badge and really went through, you know, we can do it for, you know, young Girl Scouts or even girls that are, you know, have graduated out of the, the younger Girl Scout, you know, troops and, you know, high school girls. And we've really just taught them some of the basics of, of finance and the, the importance of saving and the importance of, you know, establishing credit um, and the importance of compounding wealth. Um, and it's been, it's been a tremendous success. Congratulations on this Women's Advisory Institute. It's really changing the lives of so many women, your foundations of finance, summer course, your book clubs, your events, uh, your podcasts, your books. It's it's unbelievable. It, it, is it safe to say that sometimes people in life won't take a risk to go against the grain and care about something they shouldn't? in the past have cared for because they might feel like they're alone in taking that risk and doing that thing and by you creating community around that risky endeavor helps normalize it helps normalize the education helps inspire these people to connect to other investment minded individuals entrepreneurially minded women that can take the life their life into their own hands how important is community for them Oh, I think community is incredibly important, um, and it's it it's really interesting because when we we came up with the idea that you know we really want to educate, um, you know, it really take a lead in the in the industry and really educate, engage, and empower women. We were met with some resistance. You know, we the the industry was like, oh, no, I, we, women don't really want to do that, and I don't think we need to have a separate space for women to do that. But what we found was it was really powerful like really powerful that because, you know, women, we learn a little, little bit differently mm, and mm -hmm. we want to have a conversation a little bit differently. So I, for, for us, um, what we've seen has been, it's been really powerful. Um, and thankfully, and I think, you know, kudos to our team. Um, it's not me. It's, I've got an incredible 
incredible group of women, an incredible group of men. I've just got an incredible organization of people that, you know, really drive that. And it, it's interesting. It's, it is the Women's Advisory Institute, but there's plenty of men that participate mm-hmm. in that and really help, you know, I mean, plenty of men have daughters or plenty of men have wives or mothers or that. So it's, it's an important topic um, that, that many in our firm care about. And, um, I, they're really driving that education, um, you know, and, and engagement of, of more women. Hmm. That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. Shannon, as we start kind of coming to a close, you know, it's, it's humbling to be talking to you right now, knowing, you know, what you've accomplished in these short 20 years since founding, co-founding in, in 2002. But by golly, uh, you know, I feel like I'm on, I'm still on the ground floor with you because where you're going next is nutso. I mean, with, with the 14 firms you acquired just last year with this fresh influx of investment from KKR. You've got some pretty public-facing goals of wanting to 5X, 10X your output at Beacon Point within the next five years. It's it's kind of crazy to think about it. And, you know, without really painting me a professional picture of where you want your firm to go, where do you want Shannon to go? I mean, you know, yeah, you aged yourself a few minutes ago on the podcast, but you're you're pretty young yet. You figured out how to migrate over to Google Chrome. You're doing pretty good. <laughs> what does Shannon five years from now like look like? I mean, you don't really sound like the person who's going to sell the firm and retire to a beach in Tahiti. That's not really your your modus operandi, what what comes next for you and Rick and Richard and Katie, all your daughters? What comes next? Look, I mean, I, I yes, you're right. I don't, I don't intend to go sit on the beach in Tahiti or, or wherever, I, although that would be nice for maybe a week or so. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we have been, we have been preparing this firm for the last 20 years and building the, a really strong foundation, you know, one of my partners, you know, always says we're, we're just getting started. And I, I feel that way. And I feel the excitement through the organization. We have a very energetic, entrepreneurial, you know, ambitious team that continues to, you know, push us higher. And I, and I will say that they, they're the ones doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the ones holding us to higher standards. They're the one asking the questions. And I, and I say this to, you know, every, every new person that joins the firm is we want to hear it. We want to hear, you know, how we can better Beacon Point. What can we do as an organization to make this better for our end clients and our team? So I, I feel like there's just so much to still do with the organization. Um, personally, you know, I, I, I love, I love being with my family. I love running. I love being with my, the, the, the gals I run with. And I just, it's, I, I feel like I'm just, I'm reading the book halftime. I feel like, gosh, I, I, I'm not even at halftime yet. I feel like there's so much more to do. Um, and I, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about, you know, what, what we as an organization, you know, continues to build. And I'm also excited about continuing to give back hmm. and, and, you know, look at what that means for our entire family. Hmm. That's pretty cool, Shannon. When people achieve this tremendous amount of success, oftentimes we become stagnant. 
and we feel like we've been there, done that. The best is in our past, but the best is in your future. You can hear it in your voice. Uh, You're constantly being inspired by new books, new relationships, new people, new growth opportunities, and and that's an addictive person to be around. Um, So so count me in. Um, (laughs) Count the pasta sauce guy in. I, I just couldn't be more excited to have met you so young. And I can't wait for the world to see more of, of Shannon Yusey. Um, you know, folks, we've learned a lot here today. We've heard uh, it's all right to take life at your own pace. Right? Maybe you were a bad student as a young kid, but you can focus your educational opportunities a little bit later, or maybe even in different topics than are what are normal, you know, with the grain approaches. We've learned that it's good to have empathy. The industry calls that being customer centric. I call that genuinely giving a shit about people. (laughs) And that's what Shannon is. Now, I got a lot of friends in the RIA space, so I'm not going to sit here and right, promote a firm. But what I'll say is, if you feel like you're alone in this inquiry into financial education, if you're looking for good people to connect with, great workshops and resources to consume, go check out the Women's Advisory Institute. Go check out what they're doing at Beacon Point Advisors. They're doing life the right way. And they've been doing it for a long time. It was an honor to have Shannon on this podcast. And I know that you can connect with her individual story. Right? The values that she stands for as a firm. The faces of Beacon Point. Be a family. Be ambitious. Be collaborative. Be entrepreneurial. Be of service. I know that's you, the listeners. So reach out to Shannon for anything you may need. Shannon. Do you have any last words in closing? I would say two things. If anybody wants a copy of our book, shoot me a shoot me an email, and I'm sure Chris can put it on his podcast. Yes. I'm happy just to send it to you, no cost. Just send it send it on your way. Love and that. And then, you know, Chris, you asked me why I, you know, responded to be on on your podcast. You know, it's impossible to be grateful. And unhappy. I mean, you you have if you want to be happy, you have to be grateful. Mm. <laughs> and, and and I will say that that's you know the practice of feeling grateful is is working a muscle. It's not an emotion. It's it's an exercise in in making sure that you know if if we become unhappy, we turn to being grateful because then you're happy. And I just I, I love that. I love that about your podcast. I love it about what you're doing. And I I appreciate you. And I'm grateful for what you're doing. Thank you, Shannon. I receive that. I appreciate. You know, I, I, I've often been very bad at receiving people's... Actually, uh, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast, but I might as well steal a few minutes, um, a few seconds. Um, you know, my inability to receive authentically what you just said, about two months ago, I would have shrugged it off. Two months ago... I would have feared the intimacy that your compliment created 
and I would have just completely negated it. And that led me to a really dark place. On Thursday, December 30th, 2021, I engaged in a very scary act of non-suicidal self-injury. I almost didn't make it. And what it was all chalked up to was I was living a life of ingratitude because I wasn't exercising the muscle. See, in finance or meditation or personal health, whatever, it's one thing to know the things, to know the words. It's another thing to exercise that muscle, to work on it every day. And I wasn't working it. I wasn't working that gratitude. So I'm glad that that's a part of your life. I'm glad that you have gratitude to turn to. And I'm glad that we got to share some of your gratitude stories on this podcast here today. Um, We're only going to get deeper and deeper with our stories together. Uh, Shannon, thank you for, for coming on this podcast. For all our listeners, please go check out Beacon Point Advisors. Please go check out the Women's Advisory Institute. Um, we'll put all the links in the show notes below, but Shannon's a heck of a gal and a great coach and a great mother and a great wife and so many more things. So thanks for tuning in. Again, if you're if you're new to this podcast and you haven't clicked that subscribe button, we uh, we welcome your uh, your listenership. You know, you can you can expect more episodes just like this on the horizon. Take a look at the 200-something episodes in the past, and you'll find stories just like Shannon's. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming back. Reach out with any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns of uh, the conversation we had today. Hope you're all having a phenomenal day on Earth. Remember, folks, it's your world. Go explore, and we'll see you next episode.